Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. Today we are in a series called How Not to Be a Jerk, Lessons from Quarantine, Lessons from Quarantine, and I don't think there could be a more fitting topic um, or a sermon series that we could talk about on Father's Day uh, more than how do we not be a jerk, right? And so this isn't just a message to dads. This is way, way bigger than that. In fact, uh, this is one of those message messages I'm actually going to speak and preach as a pastor, but also as a dad. Um, this is one of those messages. <clears throat> I truly believe, teenagers, if you can get this message down, it will save you from so much heartache. And so today, my goal, my purpose it is not to keep you from fun, to keep you to be like buzzkill, lame-o, right? Not to be that guy, um, not to be the dad, but to talk to you about saying, man, if you can get this down, it will save you from so much regret. Today, I want to talk to you about wasted potential, wasted potential. And I believe a dad somewhere along the way of life came up with this that you and I heard, the five-second rule, right? The five-second, you know the five-second rule if a pizza pizza falls on the ground, you pick it up, you blow it off, you eat it. Why? Because that's still an okay piece of pizza to eat, right? If, if a dessert falls on the ground, it's just dirt, it's just germs, it's going to build your immune system, suck it up, sissy, eat it, right? Like, like I think, because for me, the reason I always box up my pizza and take it home is not because I'm cheap, but because cold pizza in the morning is the breakfast of champions, I'm convinced. It's still got potential to be great. Um, and so, you know, I, I believe that dads don't want to see anything wasted. In fact, when I see something wasted, when I see wasted potential, when my time has been wasted, when, when something gets wasted, it has a tendency to turn me into a jerk and probably has a tendency to turn you into a jerk. And, and, and here's the phrase that I hope my life is never about. What could have been, right? What could have been and what should have been. What could have been and what should have been. And as I think of the phrase, what could have been, talking about wasted potential, what, what could have been, the very first thing that comes into my, and this is going to hurt. I'm just going to let you know this is going to hurt. This is what comes to my mind. This picture is what comes to my mind about what could have been, right? Like what could, what could have been, what should have been. You had Serge Ibaka. You put Steven Adams on there. How many championships are we winning, right? Like, like what could have, there's going to be a 30 for 30 on this on ESPN sometime. And you remember, Harden going to Houston, Westbrook going to Houston was one thing. But let's just, let's just talk about the elephant in this picture right now. Kevin Durant going to the Golden State Warriors, I will say it, I'm still pretty sure it's scriptural, is the weakest move I've ever seen in the NBA in my life, right? Like, like 
am I talking as a homer? You betcha. Um, but I, I just like, you, can, you could go to any team but Golden State. Like, I'm good with any. You cannot play with Draymond Green. And, and here's what it left all of us Oklahoma City Thunder fans feeling. Well, dude, what, what, what could they have accomplished, right? Like, they should have won. You were so close. Why would you stop now? No, you know what could have been. And today I want to talk to you because it's one thing about us to look at this picture and to say what could have been and what should have been. But it's a total another thing to look at our lives and other people's lives and to say that same phrase, what could have been and what should have been. So today I want to talk to you about two things that I believe to wasted potential that lead us to looking at lives and saying, man, what, what could have been in their life if they wouldn't have wasted? What should have been in their marriage, in their relationship, in their life if they wouldn't have wasted all the potential? And I want to talk to you about distractions and choices. Distractions and choices. And I find it very interesting that this was the most I had more trouble focusing this week, preparing this message, talking about distractions than any message all year long. Um, I was like, what is going on? And so hear me, as I talk about distractions, I understand I am a walking contradiction right now. I understand I am a hypocrite. I am the most distracted individual in the world. Look a butterfly. Like I understand that, that I, your pastor, chase rabbit trails all the time. Um, but I want to talk about the effect distractions have on us and the importance that the choices you and I make. If we're going to avoid what could have been being said about our life, we've got to handle these two areas of our life really, really well. And so today I want to talk to you about a very well-known person in the Bible. In fact, he's one of the most famous people in all of the Old Testament. And I want to talk to you about a guy who had so much potential, was given so much God-given natural talent and ability. I don't know if there's anyone else in the whole New Testament, I mean Old Testament, that was given more natural God-given giftings and ability than the man that you and I know is Samson. Samson. Now, I, I kind of give you a little bit of short synopsis of Samson's life. Samson's life is contained in four short chapters of the book of Judges. Samson was one of the most famous people in all the Bible. He was uh, one of the most gifted, if not the most gifted person in the Old Testament. He was set apart. He was a Nazarite, which means he couldn't cut his hair ever, 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 right? He couldn't cut his hair. He had to let it grow long. It's where he got strength. He's like the first ever Thor to ever live um, without the hammer and the flying, but he's buff. He's strong. He's this, this guy, and he was a judge for Israel for 20 years. So we catch up in Judges chapter 13, the very beginning of Samson's life, Judges 13, verse 24, and it says this, when her son was born, she named him Samson, and the Lord blessed him as he grew up. And uh, the next verse talks about how it, the, the spirit of the Lord stirred within Samson at a young age. So God has set apart Samson. He has blessed Samson. He has given Samson's mom and dad specific instructions on how to raise Samson because there was a plan. There was a definite 
plan for Samson's life. Like you've seen some kids, you're like, I don't know what God's plan is for that kid, but it, wow, right? Like it's going to be something special. Um, You know, you're just like, okay. Um, There was a plan for Samson's life. In Judges 15 verse 20, after he's been living for a long time and he's an adult, it says, Samson judged Israel for 20 years during the period when the Philistines dominated the land. And this is one aspect I think we forget about, about Samson's life. A lot of us think, oh, there was, you know, he, there was the jawbone where he killed people with a, with a donkey. He killed a lion, and then he slept with Delilah, right? And so we think Samson really didn't do much for Israel. No, 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 no. Samson ruled. He judged Israel. He led Israel for 20 years. Think about that's a long time. 20 years he was obedient to God. 20 years he lived an effective life. And yet despite that, Samson to you and me is the person in the Bible that we think about the most when we talk about wasted potential. Samson's life for the most, for the most part, if we were to be honest, not biblically correct, but just real. If we were to be honest, we view Samson's life as a failure. And we look at him in this phrase, what could have what should have been. And here's what Samson's life shows us. Here's the first aspect when it comes to distractions that Samson's life shows us is that wasted potential is the exact result that distraction produces. Wasted potential is the exact result that distraction produces. In Judges chapter 14, verses 2 through 3, it says this, When he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eyes. I want to marry her. Get her for me. This sounds really, really weird, right? This is before Tinder and everything else. Um, So um, there was no swiping anyways. um, So verse three, his father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites you can marry, they asked. Why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? I want us to stop there just for a second. His mom and dad understand the severity of Samson's decision because the Philistines worshiped a God named Dagon, and and they did not follow Jehovah God. They did not follow, and so they knew that if Samson marries this woman who's serving another God that's from another, I mean, marries somebody from their enemy, his heart's going to start going that way. But Samson told his father, get her for me, right? This exclamation mark. This is, he's mad. Get her for me, dad, right? Like, oh, I don't know, but that's what I imagine. She looks good, right? He didn't ask for an ugly girl. He didn't say, hey, I need to stop. Um, <laughs> whew, that was close, and it was going to be bad. It was going to be... So it was going to be Trump size bad. It was the ramp. Hey, I'm so she. She looks good to me. Here's what. Here's what. I don't know why I'm talking about distractions. I, here's what Samson shows us today: is that Samson got distracted by the opposite sex. Samson got distracted by what looked good to him, and what looked good to him wasn't necessarily what was good for him, 
right? What what looked good to him wasn't necessarily what was good for him. And the problem with Samson that becomes a problem for our life is that at some point, at some time along the life of living, the distraction of what looked good to him, the distraction became the attraction, right? I had to keep rhyming from last week. The distraction became the attraction. The the distraction became what his life was focused on, what his life was pursuing, what his life was all about, what, what he wasn't supposed to chase after. That's what he found his focus, his attention focused on the the distraction became the attraction. And what is super familiar is that you and I aren't very different is that you and I, if we were to be transparent, we run after what looks good to us. What what kind of lifestyle looks good to us? What, What looks good? What appears good? I love what this quote says. It says, stop getting distracted by things that have nothing to do with your goals. And some of us, our days in our lives are busy chasing after things that have nothing to do with our goals. They have nothing to do with what God called you and I to chase after, right? He has a will and he has a purpose for every single one of us here and that are watching online. He has a a purpose and a will and a goal for us. And some of us, our life is busy pursuing after things that God's never called us to pursue. It just looks good. For Samson, the distraction was the opposite sex. For some of you, the main focus of your life. Let me, let me talk to all of our singles for just a second because married people, you better be distracted by your wife or your husband only, right? That's a whole other sermon series we'll come to. If not, whoo. Um, but um, all my singles, I'm not telling you that having a boyfriend or having a girlfriend or having a fiance or anything like that or trying to find your boo is a bad thing. I, I'm not saying that. But when it becomes the focus of your life, it's become the idol of your life. And all of a sudden you're saying, I need this to complete me instead of to be a part of the journey with me. And if that is you, I'm going to tell you, stop. Stop what you're doing and stop pursuing something because the distraction has become the attraction and the focus of your life. And if you're not careful, you will do exactly what what Samson did and you will settle for someone less than God's best. You you will settle for someone less than God's best. Why? Because you want it now because they look good to you. And here's what I have found out. We never have to talk ourselves into doing what is right, but we always have to convince ourselves engaging in what is wrong. And for some of you, you are just reasoning out this whole relationship and this person, and you still, well, they're not that bad. If you have to start your introduction of your boyfriend or girlfriend or the potential, well, they're not that bad. Well, I know they get a bad rap. They listen to me. The distraction has become the attraction, and they are not the one for you. For others of us, it's money. It's money. We're chasing money. We're chasing the stuff. It's, it's not that it's money in itself is bad, but when it becomes the defining what you have and how much of it you have defines you, it's become the distraction for you. For the others of you, it's about being liked. It's a people pleaser. Got to have everybody like me. Can't anybody be upset about me? I found out a long time ago 
that if I'm being who God's called me to be, and I'm leading the life that I'm called to lead, probably somewhere along the line, I'm going to offend somebody that, that I didn't mean to, but they just got offended. And my job isn't to make everybody happy or please everybody. My job is to be obedient. And you can't be obedient and popular at the same time most of the time. If you're people-pleasing, can I tell you the distraction has become the attraction. For some of us, it's our emotions. And you're just following your emotions wherever they live. Well, I feel like this, and I feel like this. But it has nothing to do with your goals. You're just following the distractions of the moment. For some of you, it's doing good things. There's nothing wrong with what you're chasing, but you're chasing good things over God things. And is what you're chasing the thing that God has called you to chase, or are you being distracted? Because here's what I know about you and me. Most of us, most of us are not going to be destroyed by Satan. But if Satan, if our enemy can't destroy you, he will distract you. Right? If he can't destroy you, if the enemy can't destroy you, he will distract you. I've got great news for you today. Most of us here today... You are not going to be um, all of a sudden a serial killer when you leave this place. Probably for most of your life, you're not going to be a serial killer. Woo, that's a stressful reliever. Most of you are not going to be the head of some Mexican drug cartel. Like, like, you're like, how did I get here into this throne? And how am I speaking Spanish all of a sudden? That's not, no, no, hombre, it's not, that's not for you, right? Like, that's probably, you're not going to be this kingpin. You're not going to get in the mafia. Um, you're, you're probably, for most of you, aren't going to be this drug dealer or addicted to drugs. And all, you're, most, most of us aren't going to be a male or female prostitute. Like, that's just not going to be the reality of how Satan takes us out. But almost every single one of us will get distracted. Almost every single one of us will run after things like Samson that look good but aren't necessarily good. And here's the problem with that is when we do that, we start chasing after what we want instead of what God wants. But I can tell you this much. If you will chase after what God wants, if you can try to eliminate the distractions and chase after the life that God has called you to, it will be way better than you ever could imagine. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, out of the message translation says this, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. He can do far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request. And, you're, and I got some wild dreams, right? Like some of you are like, oh, I'm game on. And this is the problem. If you will follow God's purpose for you, if you will leave a spirit-led life instead of a distracted-led life, it's going to be way better, way bigger, way more amazing than you ever thought it could be on your own. I love this quote as well. It says, you can't do big things if you're distracted by small things. Can't do big things if you're constantly distracted by small things, if the distraction becomes the attraction. Because here's what happens. When we get distracted, it doesn't just stay compartmentalized. Distractions start affecting our choices. And when we're more easily distracted, 
we're more likely to start making poor choices. And understand, your choices determine your path, and your path determines your life. Your choices determine your path, and your path determines your life. My wife, Casey, has a car that has the blind spot detector in it, right? On, on the mirror. Some of you have this. Um, and it's so weird to me still. Um, we've had this car for several years, but I still, it's just hard for my brain to wrap around it because my truck doesn't have it. That anytime a car supposedly comes into the blind spot that I don't have to look because it's on the side view mirrors. And so it's telling me not to get over there because this little thing flashed up, the light came on. So there's something in my blind spot. But can I tell you, I don't know if it's old age. I don't know if it's being a man. I don't try trust it. I don't try. I'm like, uh-uh, uh-uh, nope, 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 nope. And so I still do the look around, right? Like you do the little gooseneck before you change. And you, if you're dating, you put your, your arm on her headrest and you push really hard and flex your bicep like, girl, you are lucky. I'm keeping you safe with this arm. Um, and, and you're looking because I understand it's my responsibility to see what's coming. And if I don't check my, if I trust that instead of my own eyes, instead of my own self, right? I'm going to say that I should have seen it coming. I, sh- I should have seen that. I should have checked my blind spot because you know, I know every car has a blind spot and it's up to me to check my blind. I should have, if I hit a car, I should have seen it coming. I should have checked. And that is exactly what happens when we make poor choices. We all have blind spots in our life. All of us. We have areas that we can't. Samson had an area that was a, it was the opposite sex. He had an area of his life that was a blind spot that he did not choose wisely in. And instead of him seeing what, we read the story and we're like, how did Samson not see the, we're saying the exact same phrase that you and I would say if we hit a car, how did I not see that car there? How did I not see that? And, And we're reading Samson's story going, how did he not see this coming? And you've said this about friends. You said this about family. How did they not see this coming in their marriage? You saw the path they were on. You saw the choices they were making. You're like, yeah, I could see that coming. Hi. Like, yeah. Like, you, you talk about people's kids. Don't act like you don't talk about people's kids. Like, do you hear about their kids? Holy cow. Like, I'm so, God, thank you. Um, but, you know, you, you see, and you're like, how did they not see that happening with their kids? You see how people spend money. You're like, oh, my gosh. You know, and, and you're like, they have to claim bankruptcy, or they're, they're, they're just in a bad place. And you're like, yeah, how did you not? Because you're looking at the choices they're making, and your choices always dictate your path and your path always dictates your life. It says this in Judges 16.1. One day Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with, the pro- with a prostitute. Not the prostitute, like, oh, there's only one. Um, but spent the night with the prostitute. Are you her? Um, so here, here's where I want us to stop for just a second and understand what has happened. Samson, at this point, has been a ruler and a judge of Israel for 20 years. He's been doing the right thing for, that's a long time. And this shows me one thing, is that with age, just because you get old doesn't mean wisdom came with you. Just because you've aged well doesn't mean that you you became wise as well. 
And in the midst of serving, after serving Israel and judging Israel for 20 years, it says Samson spent the night in Gaza, which that's a whole nother thing. Gaza is the capital of the Philistine empire. This is the capital of his enemy. He went to Gaza. He went to where his enemies were. And the, the, the reality is, is that it was a journey to get there. Craig Rochelle writes in his book, uh, Stronger, which is a really good study about Samson. He, he writes this. He says um, that he measured the distance between Samson's hometown of Zorah to Gaza, and it's about 25 miles. And he broke that down about what, how long, how many steps would it be from, from Zorah to Gaza to get there. And he, he estimated that it would be about 56,250 steps to get from his hometown to Gaza. See, what that tells us is that Samson made 56,250 choices to go to the prostitute's house. He made the choice, 56,000. He had 56,250 opportunities to turn around. And yet he kept convincing himself that it was no big deal. He kept choosing. It wasn't a one-time choice. He kept choosing. And some of us think, oh, it's just one choice that's going to, to blow it. Hear me. You're going to make some wrong choices in life. Let me take the pressure off you. You're going to make some wrong choices. But hear me. It's not the first wrong choice that blows it for you and knocks you off the path. It's the second bad choice that follows up and the third bad choice and the fourth. It's when you let your one bad choice have babies, right? It is. And Samson kept making, it wasn't a one-time decision, but it was the decision that he made to go in a direction that did not lead him to the path that he wanted. And some of us were heading in a direction that's not leading us to the destination we want. And here's what we would say, but I didn't intend for that to happen. Samson would say, but I, I didn't intend for that to lead to this. He didn't intend for the prostitute to lead to Delilah. But that's exactly where it led. And, and, and some of us, we've got good intentions, but good intentions don't make your path and don't lead you to the destination that you want to get to. Your choices and my choices dictate the steps that we take. Your choices determine the path that you take. Your choices determine the path that you and I take. And for some of you, you're in a heading in a direction that you don't want to be. You're heading in a direction you don't want to be. And if you want a good indicator of what your future reality looks like, take a look at the present choices you're making. If you want a, a, a great indicator of what your future reality is going to look like, take a look at the present choices you are making because they are Huge. Says this in Proverbs 4, 23 through 27. Guard your heart, guard your emotions, guard your feelings above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Here it is. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Solomon understood this, that you make a choice 
to keep looking straight ahead. You make a choice to fix your eyes on what lies ahead, to mark out a straight path. And he says this, in the process of making this straight path, in the process of choosing the path you're going to get on, don't get sidetracked. Don't get distracted. Right? Don't, don't get distracted from the path that God has. Don't get here because Solomon knew. The Proverbs know. God knows. We, when we drift, we don't drift into areas of safety. You know this from driving, right? Your wife falls asleep and you hit the bumps on the side of the road. Like, oh, sorry, babe, didn't mean to wake you. You know, you just wanted to see her go like that. Like, that's what you wanted, right? Happy Father's Day. Just let your secret out. But you know what I'm talking about. When we drift, even when it comes to, we drift into into danger, not into safety. The same is true of life. When you and I drift, when we get sidetracked, we don't start choosing wisely all of a sudden. We start choosing what we will regret. We start going in a direction that's not leading us to the life that you and I want. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're here and you say, Justin, you know what? You're talking about this, and that's what Samson did. He kept making a choice. They kept sidetracking him and making him drift into a place that was dangerous and full of regret, and maybe that's you. You say, man, I've, I've, I've... I'm Samson. I've blown it. And there's so much potential that I've wasted. There's, there's so much regret that I have. What do I do now? What, what, what do I do now? I want you to understand this morning, the truth of this statement is that it's never too late to start again. It's never too late to start again. One of my favorite verses in the Old Testament, Judges 16, verse 22, says, but before long, his hair began to grow back. But before long, his hair began to grow back. Meaning this, it wasn't over. Right? It, it wasn't over for Samson. Samson made terrible choice after terrible choice. There was consequence after consequence for Samson. He got captured by the Philistines They gouged his eyes out, which means they literally burned the eyes out of his sockets. They they shaved his head. They made him a laughing stock of the Philistines. In fact, the only time Samson came out was when people could laugh at him. They They would mock him, and they would make fun of him. And this is Samson. But in the midst of that moment, in the midst of the fallout of all the terrible choices he made and of pain for the poor choices that he made, his hair began to grow again. Before long, his hair began to grow again, meaning it wasn't over. And you may be here this morning, and you are embarrassed. Hear me today. It is not over for you. You may be here, and maybe you're dealing with regret. Hear me. It is not over for you today. Maybe you're dealing with heartache. It is not over for you. Maybe you're in financial hardship. It is not over for you. Maybe you don't know what to do any longer. What I can tell you is that God wasn't done with Samson, and he's not done with you. It is not over for you. But God knows right where you're at. God knows right what you're dealing with, and he knows what's best for you. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, I shared this verse, the very first sermon of this series, and it says this, being confident, being sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. 
First sermon of this series, I had a bunch of Legos out, right? Remember this, the box? I strung them out, and you guys were like, oh, no, what are we going to do? Like, who's going to clean that up? Fish, you know, like, what are we going to do? And you're like, you're, it's never going to be the same because I, there was, you know, it came and like did put this one together and put, it had different pouches, pouch one, pouch two, pouch three, pouch four. And I just obliterated the pouches and just strung them everywhere. And I was like, you were like, it, it's never going to come back. You're probably missing pieces, right? You, 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 you just, uh, it's way beyond my ability. I'm not a Lego master. I don't like Legos. Um, and so for it not to be in a step-by-step direction, psh, that is way beyond my ability to fix that. Like, even if if it's Legos, that's not in my ballpark. That is not in my uh, ability to fix that. And yet, Seth, our AV guy, loves Legos. And I walk into my office, and here's what I find. Number one. Number two. Somebody's phone's ringing. Um, just embarrass you. Um, and number three. And what... Whoop, now it fell apart, Seth, um, but <laughs> here's what amazes me. Like, you can open this thing, and it's amazing that out of that mess that was strung everywhere, where, where I mean, I, there was pieces missing, that Seth still put it together so that it operates the, crea- the way the creator of this designed it to operate. And what is true for a Lego illustration is true for your life. And maybe you feel like, man, I don't even know if all the pieces are there. It's never too late to start again. You may not know how the pieces go together, but he, man, he that began a good work in you knows how to finish. He knows how to complete it. I don't know how this is ever going to come from a mess to even looking like something of purpose. He that began a good work in you knows how to finish it. I don't know how anything's going to come from a mess. He is a master of bringing a message out of a mess. He is amazing at bringing a testimony out of heartache. He is amazing at using those that feel like they're used up. And today you may be here, and today you may say, I've made bad mistake after bad mistake, bad choice after bad choice. Hear me as your pastor today. It's never too late to start again, but he that started something in you wants to finish it in you if you will simply allow him in the middle of your mess, because it's never too late for the hair to start growing again. God wasn't done with Samson, and he won't be done with you. Let's pray today. God, we love you, and we thank you for today. And God, we come in, and Lord, I pray that this message would grab hold of our attention today. That Lord, most of us aren't going to be destroyed by these catastrophic moments, but it's the distractions here and there. It's when the distraction becomes the attraction that we start chasing after things that you never intended us to chase after in the first place. We start making life about something that was never meant to be about. And all of a sudden, we start making poor choices. And our choices start affecting the path that we find ourselves on. Lord, some of us, we don't like where we're heading. And all we have to do is look at the choices we're making. And God, I pray that right now in this moment, that we wouldn't blame somebody else for our choices, but we would take responsibility because that's the easy thing. Nothing gets fixed from us refusing to own it. 
Nothing gets fixed from us always blaming someone else. But Lord, let us grow up and take responsibility for the choices we have made along the way. Let us own the choice right now, right here, that if we're heading in a direction we don't want to go, if we know the reality of our future is being dictated by our present choices we're making, let us choose really wise. Let us be really purposeful and let us fix our attention on the path marked out. Let us keep our eyes fixed straight ahead. Don't let us get sidetracked. Don't let us get distracted. But let us choose to run after the life you've called us to run after. You have a calling on our lives. You have a purpose for our life. So Lord, let us take this message to heart. Let us be doers of your word. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Today, if you're here and you say, Justin, I'm here today and where I'm at, I drifted. I don't even know how I got here, but some way, somehow I got sidetracked. And we're just going to leave it there. You know it, though. You know where you are isn't where you should be, and there's a change that needs to happen. And today, it may be that you've never asked Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or today, maybe it's just you need to recommit your life, and you need to get back on the right track. Today, can I tell you, it's all your choice and if you're going to choose wisely, you got to choose in this moment. you got to make the best choice right now. So if you're at home or you're in this place, we're not counting to three. If that's you, all I want you to do is raise your hand. It's to make a choice. And we're going to lead you in a prayer to get you on the right path, to get you on the path that leads you straight ahead. One, two, three. Is there anyone here today you say, that's me, and you just raise your hand? Yeah. Yeah. Is there anyone else you say, Justin, that's me today? And you raise your hand. Man, don't be embarrassed. Don't be shy. Is there anyone else in this place? This is your moment. This is your time to choose wisely. Is there anyone else before we go any further in service today? If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today. And I confess that I have sinned and that I've messed up. But I ask for your forgiveness. God, I choose today to turn away from the life that I was living. And I choose to take hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv.